Welcome to another episode of the Great Fancy Baseball Invitational Podcast. I'm Justin Mason, lead fantasy writer and analyst of Friends of FancyBenefits.com. This is kind of a special episode and series of episodes on the TGFBI podcast because this is Potapalooza 2022. And what Potapalooza is, is it's a two-day live stream event in which we... Uh, get a bunch of fantasy analysts together over the course of two days uh, and talk fantasy baseball in order to raise money for charity. This year's charity was Big League Impact. You will hear all about it throughout the episodes. Uh, there are going to be 16 different episodes in total. Hopefully you enjoy them. But just keep in mind that this is a live stream event, and so there may be audio problems. Some people uh, had better mics than others. Some people have better internet connection than others. So I apologize if there's any sort of audio issues, but we kind of did the best that we could given the circumstances. Uh, but if you want to uh, help out, you can uh, give us a rate and review of Five Star Variety. That really, really helps us out. Or you can still donate. I'm still accepting donations, uh, and every dollar that uh, is donated gets you a raffle ticket uh, in to win uh, TGFBI entries. For every $1,000 I raise through this event, and after, I will give out a TGFBI entry for 2023. So if you want to donate, justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com is the PayPal. At Justin Salinger is the Venmo. Really appreciate everybody who came and watched it live. You can catch the replay of the video version over on my YouTube, which is Justin Mason FWFB. Well, without further ado, here is this hour of Potapalooza 2022. First place in my league, got a blockbuster on the way, and a pick up on my sleeve. They call my team insane, say I'm the one to beat, so you better bring your red game to stop playing. We are going to move into our next panel. Only one of our participants for this panel has shown up so far, so I'm going to bring her in. That's Sarah Sanchez. How you doing, Sarah? I'm great, Justin. How are you holding up? I'm doing well. I'm, it's uh, seven hours in today, uh, eight hours yesterday. Um, so it's been uh, it's been a little bit hectic, but uh, I'm, I'm going to make it. I think I'm going to make it. I have faith in you, and, and I'm here to help as much as I can, although I'm here to disappoint Cubs fans, I think. <laughs> you're are you, you're gonna disappoint them well that that that's disappointing i don't know i i don't know i mean most of us don't want to see the last few favorite players we have that are still members of this team traded uh and yet a cubs expert is most likely to be slotted in trade deadlines this year again like last year because that is that is where we are at jed jed hoyer is trading all of the land for 19 year old prospects that he's hoarding so and then, and then we just have to hope. All right. Uh, remind everybody where you can be reached and, uh, and what you do. Uh, I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write at bleedcubbyblue.com. I also co-host their podcast, Cup of Cubby Blue. Um, and you can find me at, at BCB Sarah on Twitter. All right. Uh, also going to bring in Mark Kiefer. Mark, how you doing, my friend? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Remind everybody where you can be reached and talk about what you do. All right. Um, well, on Twitter at Mark underscore Kiefer, K-I-E-F-F-E-R. Um, I write articles over at um, Roto Baller. That's where most of my um, fantasy baseball stuff is. Also write some DFS and betting stuff at uh, stochastic.com as well. And um, yeah. There we go. 
And joining us as well is my co-host from The Sleeper in the Bus, Mr. Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing, my friend? All right. How are you guys doing today? Doing fantastic. Remind everybody where you can reach and plug all that you do. <clears throat> at, oops, that finger. That way. Yeah, at Jason Collette down there. Uh, I'm, I'm just directionally <laughs> challenged. Here, there it is. There, there. Uh, down there. And then at Rotowire, uh, Collette Calls column comes out weekly. Uh, actually, uh, working on the very topic we're talking about today, where everybody's mm -hmm. going and who that may free up playing time for. Yes, that is what we are talking about. And like I said, Jason is my uh, my Sunday co-host on the Sleeper in the Bus, and there won't be a technically a, a Sunday episode because we're here. Or I'm I've been here all day, uh, but I will put this hour's worth onto that feed. Uh, the rest of the uh, hours are going on to the TGFBI podcast feed. So if you want to listen back and you want to listen back in podcast form, you don't want to go through the eight hours of it on YouTube, uh, you can go listen to those uh, podcast feeds. They'll be broken up into an hour. May take me a day or two to get through all of them uh, editing-wise because it's uh, it's quite the process. But uh, that's where they will be. Let's jump in. Uh, and we'll start with you, Jason, uh, because uh, I want to know, you know, I knew it was going to be me and you in this last hour. I didn't know uh, who else was going to be. And I, I want to know, are the Rays going to make any moves that make fantasy owners care? I don't know. Yeah, after last year about the price they had to pay to get Nelson Cruz and, and how that turned out, uh, I don't. I think they may be a little gun-shy this year uh, to do that. I mean, they certainly need live, warm bodies, uh, given that everybody else is falling apart, injuries here, injuries there. Uh, what not, but after you know watching what Joe Ryan has done for Minnesota uh, and what Nelson Cruz didn't do uh, down the stretch, uh, I don't see them making any impact moves. I can see them again fi finding some ways, go find a right-handed bat. Uh, you know, kind of you know they picked up Roman Quinn the other day just because they they really needed a right-handed bat and they they have his flexibility. But honestly, I see them uh, doing what they have normally done at the deadline and just picking up small pieces to add to it. Uh, only because so many guys are hurt that really cuts into your trade depth. And, uh, you know, it is what it is right, right now. So I, I would see them working on the margins rather than being a big time player. Well, that's depressing. Why don't we just move over to uh, Sarah and the Cubs, <laughs> Sarah, we, we've got a lot of Cubs uh, potential uh, moves. Uh, why don't we start with Wilson Contreras? Uh, do you think he gets moved? Where do you think he goes? And would that do anything to his fantasy value? I do think he gets moved, um, and I think fantasy managers should beware a little bit. One of the most interesting things about Wilson Contreras this year has been his splits when he is catching versus his splits when he is playing as a designated hitter. For the Cubs, he is a substantially better bat in the lineup as a designated hitter than a catcher, and I, and I imagine that that has to do with just the hours logged behind the plate and all of those types of things. So if he gets traded to a team primarily to catch, I think that you're going to see the downside of those numbers, not the upside of those numbers. Now, that said... I think there are a lot of teams who who are wary of adding a catcher to manage their pitching staff at the deadline. And so there's a non-zero chance that Wilson Contreras does get traded, but gets traded as a designated hitter, in which case you are getting the bat that you've seen so far this year, who has been exceptional. Mark, what do you think about Wilson Contreras being moved? Do you have any ideas of where he could go and what his value be moving forward? Um, I don't know. I just read an article that I know the Padres are interested. I think he'd definitely be an upgrade um Padres are like 26 in the ISO or something they need more power in that lineup um Tampa Bay could use a catcher upgrade I don't know if they'll pay for him but you know there's a lot of plays where he'd fit nice I don't know if anybody pays for it so I haven't Sarah probably has the best read on that since so she's a she's a Cubs person so what do you think Jason 
Uh, Sarah makes a great point about uh, teams not wanting to bring in uh, somebody unfamiliar with the pitching staff. Uh, I, you know, if, if teams considering bringing Contreras in, at least he's experienced, you know, you look at if you were to sort uh, team catchers by WRC plus the bottom three teams in the league are the Mets, the Cardinals, the Astros, those are your bottom three, all three of those could use an upgrade. Uh, and so, but Houston has some other needs too, uh, and yet they're still in first place. But if, for me, this is a great market for the Cubs to uh, to make a deal with them because you've got three teams in the bottom three of offense for uh, catching. Yes, Houston loves uh, Martin Maldonado behind the plate defensively, but if they're playing them too much. Uh, and if they could get an upgrade like that at Contreras or uh, at another position, which uh, that's, we'll talk about, uh, we'll see where they go with that. But I don't see Houston sitting this one out. All right, let's talk about David Robertson because uh, he is super likely to be traded. Mark, uh, do you think he's still a closer wherever he ends up? And who do you think would be next man up in Chicago? <laughs> so um, that's a great question. I think it kind of depends where he goes, right? I mean, um, there's some good teams that need bullpen help, but I don't know if they would um, – they'd probably take him. I don't know if they make him a closer. I mean, Boston needs bullpen help. They might make him a closer. Um, St. Louis could use some bullpen help. They probably wouldn't make him a closer. So – um, they wouldn't trade in St. Louis anyway, same division and all that, but, um, and then next man up, I don't know, Sarah probably have a better read on that. I mean, I, I'm hoping Michael Givens, my draft champions teams are hoping it's Michael Givens, but, uh, maybe it's a bullpen, uh, by committee. I, I don't know. Um, do I have Sarah, a great read on the Cubs? Sarah, what, what is your read on, on who would be next man up? I mean, Givens is on a one-year deal too, so he's probably likely out of town as well. Yeah, I think Givens and Robertson are both getting traded here. Um, I think that David Robertson's an interesting fit with the Yankees, maybe even the White Sox teams that he has played for before. And with the Yankees just losing Michael King on that horrendous elbow fracture, I think that that's a nice fit for David Robertson. Uh, in terms of the next man up, I think I do have a name for people. And it's Scott Epros, who has been getting a ton of high leverage work for the Cubs. And he has been outstanding. He's got kind of a kind of an interesting funky sidearm delivery going on that batters have a hard time picking up. And the few times that I've gotten to see him from behind home plate, his stuff is nasty. And and the Cubs have him in their system for a really long time. I think they would like to see what they've got there. I, I would caution people against thinking it's Rowan Wick. Rowan Wick has been really bad the last couple of months. What do you think, Jason? Uh, same. Uh, Scott Efros would be the guy at the top of the list. And Vince has a, Givens as a mutual option, so both sides would have to agree for him to stay. And you know, when they when they made the signs uh, that they did this offseason, it was in hopes of moving them for value. Uh, so if you can, you know, get guys on the cheap, then turn them in this market where everybody's looking for mental relief. Like I said, the Yankees, uh, you know, the Yankees, the, the Michael King loss is, is a pretty uh, hurtful one, but there are other teams. Middle relief can always be moved here at the deadline. Uh, but I would put Efra uh, at the top of the list uh, of somebody that could be utilized uh, here for saves the rest of the way. Uh, I just don't know if it'll be full-time only because, you know, David Ross has previously gone by committee, so it could be anybody. Uh, even, you know, this past weekend, I think I jokingly tweeted Friday night, AJ Puck and uh, Hector Norris both got their first saves. And like, those were big mm -hmm. spec guys in March. And it took this long for them to get their first save of the season. Yeah, and we'll be talking about AJ Puck here at some point. Um, uh, the other guy that has potentially been rumored to trade, though I don't think the Cubs need to trade him, uh, has been Ian Happ. Uh, so Sarah, the question I guess to you, since you are a Cubs insider, is, is Ian Happ going to be on the move? I think Ian Happ is on the market. I don't think he's necessarily on the move. He has an extra year of team control after this, so the offer would have to be fairly impressive for the Cubs to bite on it. The most interesting rumors that I have heard there, one, the Yankees could use some outfield help 
Ian Happ is a switch hitting outfielder who is outstanding and 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 could do some damage in that park. But more interesting to me is I there's some rumors that the Padres are potentially interested in both Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ. That has the potential to be one of those monster type of deals. The Padres have Luis Campusano in their system, and the Cubs would need a catcher who is ready in the short term if they were going to move on from Wilson Contreras. Miguel Amaya just took his first at-bats in this last week for, from a year. Uh, he's been recovering from Tommy John surgery, so they don't really have a ready-to-go prospect in their system. Jan Gomes has been, has been good. He's been solid, but I think he's the last time I looked, he was hitting like 193. He's not the guy that they want to have out there day in and day out. So the Padres could do a mega deal for both Hap and Contreras, and I think that they have the pieces to make that happen. All right. Let's uh, let's move away from the Cubs for a little while, and uh, uh, let's talk about Andrew Benatendi because I think he was a guy that had a really, really hot market uh, maybe two or three weeks ago, uh, and then all of a sudden uh, I think he, uh, us and the world found out that he is not vaccinated therefore cannot play in Toronto, which may be tempering his market uh, quite a bit. Mark, you have any thoughts on where maybe Benatendi ends up and then who would benefit on the Royals once he's gone? Yeah. So, yeah, I've been thinking about this one. So the uh, the, the Yankees, I mean, other than the, the vaccination thing with Toronto, I think the Yankees make a lot of sense. I mean, he's an upgrade over Aaron Hicks, um, it, you know, in left field, you know, at the plate and everything. I think he would be a good add for them. Um, I just don't know if he's willing to get vaccinated, you know, what, what happens if they have to play the Toronto on the playoffs, that sort of deal or down the stretch. So I am sure that'd be part of the negotiation. So I don't have a great read on that. And as far as the Royals go, I hope, I hope it's Nick Prada, you know, I've been kind of following the prospects over there and um, you know, I can, they kind of did this thing where I thought Prada would maybe play left field and uh, Pascantino would play first base and that'd be kind of their future there. Cause he had played some games at left field in the minors Um but the Royals, I guess you never really know. You know, I could see them just kind of what well, Isbell and some of these other guys sort of playing. I mean, maybe Jason's a better read on that, but I'm hoping Prado gets some playing time. I think he did a pretty good job in the minors, and you know, they don't really have much to play for this year. So might as well get some of the young guys some at bats and some experience. Maybe next year, uh, after a year of development, they can compete a little bit more. It's been kind of a disappointing year, I think, for the Royals in general. I mean, they were kind of hoping to take a step this year, and that pitching staff hasn't improved. And um, some of these young guys have just been kind of waiting in the wings, waiting for guys to get traded. They did, they got rid of Santana. Hopefully they get rid of Benintendi's and just give these guys a couple hundred plate appearances when it doesn't really matter. And hopefully when the team hopes to compete next year in a couple of years, they can, um, be more of a contributor, you know, Jason, what do you think about this? You, where do you think Benintendi ends up and, uh, who benefits on that Royal team? I mean, the vaccination status is definitely a factor if you're trying to play things in. Uh, you know, if not for that, I believe he'd already be a Yankee. Then again, I mean, Aaron Hicks has been playing better of late, so it's really tough to say, oh, let's let's bring in Benintendi when Hicks is, is showing signs of life again with that. Uh, the, the thing that always sticks out with Benintendi about me is just the, you know, this is a guy that stole 20-plus bases a couple of years in not-so-distant past, but he's terrible at it now. He's 11 for his last 20. He, you know, he can do that for a crappy Royals team. He can't do that for a contending team. They're not going to let him give away outs like that. Uh, and so he may lose He may lose the playing time, the everyday playing time as well, and get into a mashup situation. So I'm not very optimistic about him moving. Uh, and as, as far as is it fantasy impact, the timing of him moving could come in right in line with Edward Olivares coming back off the IL uh, as well. Some Buddy that uh, has the talent, but Kyle Isbell's another one uh, who has had some uh, nice, uh, nice outings or nice uh, events this weekend. Played some really good center field um, on Saturday. Took a couple of uh, robbed a home run, stole another double, uh, and was running the base as well as um, 
on, on top of that. So uh, those two names, I think, would have be impacted by Ben Antonio leaving the roster. What do you think, Sarah? I mean, I think that vaccination question is a huge one if you're looking for him to go anywhere in the AL East. It's not like the Yankees are going to need to – they have quite a lead in that division. So, But the problem is that as soon as you get into the playoff picture, any team in the AL really might have to go to Toronto to win a game. And if you have a must-win game and that guy's on the bench, that is incredibly problematic. Plus, I, I was just looking up some quotes on this earlier to see if he had any – in my opinion, PR disaster quotes like the Whit Merrifield, well, I would get vaccinated for a contender, which I just thought was really, that's that's not the way you go with that one. But um, he doesn't. He just, he left it at, it's a personal choice and, and called it a day. And and, and that's, that says to me that Ben Intendi's not looking to get vaccinated wherever he goes. Uh, and it might, probably says that to other teams too. Yeah, I think he has to go to a, a National League team. The question is, what National League team is going to use him or need him right now? Maybe my Giants? They, they could probably use an outfielder who doesn't let the ball just sail right over their head. Um, actually catch the ball? Yeah, can actually catch the ball. That might be uh, a spot. Uh, but I, I think uh, it's kind of really, really poor timing for Benintendi himself and for the Royals because the Royals signed in or, or uh, picked him up uh, off of Boston in order to try to flip him in a couple years as the contract was starting to expire, they're not getting full value because of this. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about Josh Bell because Josh Bell is one of those guys where anytime you read a trade rumors article or, or see trade rumors tweets, Josh Bell is mentioned. The problem is like how robust of a market does Josh Bell have? Do you think, Sarah? Because he is just a first baseman. I think there's two teams that might be potentially interested in Josh Bell. One is the Mets. There's some pretty strong rumblings coming out of New York, although they just did a deal for Daniel Vogelbach. And I don't know if that's a stopgap. They're going to looking to flip Vogelbach and then like have Josh Bell come in as part of that deal or something. I could see that happening. But the, the more interesting rumor to me is the Astros. I think that the Astros could definitely use a first baseman. They could use a first baseman with some pop and Josh Bell would be a nice fit in that lineup. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I was going to say Astros as well. I think they're a little bit under their payroll too from where they were at last year. So he could be someone they don't just use for a rental, but maybe try to negotiate a deal with as well. You know, Gurriel's, you know, what, betting like 237 and he's like, what, 38 years old or whatever. Brantley is hurt. You know, he gets hurt frequently. I mean, they could use um, more help at first base and DH. And, and really, you know, there's more of a move to help him contend in the postseason rather than, um, I think, win the division. I mean, they're doing pretty well with what they've got. But I think if you want to compete with the Yankees, you got to, you know, get your firepower up to their level if you want to try to, you know, take them down this year. So Jason. Yeah. Josh Bell seemed to be like a match made in heaven. Uh, You know, they are, uh, you know, the Astros first baseman have a 78 WRC plus hitting 214, 265, 357 as a group. And you looked at, you know, uh, Mark mentioned the payroll. They have about uh, $25 million or 30, no, I'm sorry, about $37 million coming off the payroll with Michael Brantley uh, becoming an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Justin Verlander is a vesting option, but they have the room. Uh, they're going from 175 to 138 uh, on their payroll. So they do have the role, uh, the room to uh, negotiate more than a one-year rental. But the price to get him now should be rather cheap. I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent after the season. He's not going to go back to the Nationals. So, so he should not cost you much. The only thing that's going to drive up his price is the competition on the trade market. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think while – he is a first baseman and maybe won't have like the huge market that maybe some like center fielders might have. 
Like there are some teams that could that sneakily could use a, a first baseman. I don't think the Padres want Eric Hosmer playing first base for them every day. That would be a huge upgrade, especially if they could find another buyer, maybe send some prospects with Eric Hosmer to, to get rid of them. Um, I, I don't know what Boston fancies themselves as. Um, and I know some people have said Tristan Casas, you know, he could be coming up. He just started playing off of the right. injury. Like, I don't know that he's going to be ready before the end of the season. But Josh Bell would look really, really good in a Red Sox uniform uh, if that's uh, uh, the way they <laughs> maybe better than some of the guys on the Red Sox right now. Oh my goodness, yeah, that's been the problem. The hitting's not the hit, hitting's not Boston's problem. Even though, yeah, first base is is uh, their first base production is even below the Astros. Uh, but mm-hmm. pitching is—I mean, their run differential went from plus forty to minus eight this weekend. Yeah, how many of them in one day? You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if Boston's a buyer, I'm sure starting pitching is going to be uh, up there with with their list of needs. I I, I kind of wonder, like, do we end up seeing them sell, especially if they they lose a few more games before the deadline? Uh, they may just decide to uh, uh, worry reload for next year. Um, well, that was kind of my thing. Like, um, I read a prospects article and you know, like st- stash article, and you know, part of me was like, you know before Casas even came back, you know, would they maybe look at a rental for Bell, even if they couldn't work out a long-term thing because they've been kind of leaving first base open <laughs> with, you know, hoping maybe someone catches on. And then, um, but then now I keep reading, and I'm reading some articles that bought, like you're saying, Justin, that Boston might be selling. And so it's really, I mean, I don't really know what their strategy is at. I think he'd be a good rental if they're trying to compete. Um, I mean, that division, I mean, and you're only, a few, you know, the wild card is close, you know, you know, it's, I mean, Someone's going to be left out, but you could have you could have three teams in that division make the wild card. You know, Boston feels like one of those dynasty teams that doesn't really know whether they're going to be competitive or not, and they keep kind of just hanging around and hope that maybe it might work out. Uh, but that's like never the place you want to be. Either either commit to a rebuild or or commit to trying to win. Like right. I just this, this whole stopgap uh, starting pitching uh, you know thing that they tried with Rich Hill and Michael Waka, like clearly um, not working very well, especially since most of them are on the IL at this point. Um, I, I I think they should sell. I don't know if we're going to or not. Is it finally time that the Cincinnati Reds trade Luis Castillo and Tyler Molly uh, there, Sarah? Like, let's get them out of Great America Ballpark, give them some more fantasy value. Well, I was going to say, you just brought up the Red Sox. And if the Red Sox are going to make a run, they need some pitching. And and a few of the people that we've got left to talk about here are pitchers who could be moved. Um, Luis Castillo and Tyler Molly are both incredibly attractive pitching assets to a lot of teams. Uh, Castillo as a starter, Molly as a potential starter or a bullpen piece um, if, for teams that are looking for just like a long man to throw back there. I know that your Giants have also been rumored to be linked to the Castillo deal. And that's that's potentially really intriguing to me. I really think... Um, that for these two guys in particular with the Red Sox question, a lot of this hinges on what you were just saying. Are the Red Sox buyers or sellers? And that actually changes the whole AL East as well because if the Red Sox are sellers, I think the Orioles become buyers. And then that becomes really interesting because the Orioles could use a little bit of pitching, maybe a bat or two, and, and they're not that far off of that third wild card spot. I, I would love to see the Orioles actually get competitive. And I mean, they are competitive right now, but actually stay competitive and get into the playoffs. It's been a long time uh, since we've seen that orange and black team. 
uh, uh, be competitive in the playoffs. Mark, what do you think? Do you think Luis Castillo and Tyler Molly actually get moved? Um, I think that, I mean, I think Castillo should get moved. I don't know if he will get moved, you know, like it, it seems like it makes sense to strike our rates up from last year. His ERA is low. His XFIP is better than it was last year. You know, they're not competing for anything. Um, you know, it would make sense to move. I'm hoping, I'm hoping the twins make, make, you know, make some, make some starting, get some starting pitching help. Maybe not, maybe not him per se, but, um, I think, I mean, I, I'd love to see him go somewhere like that selfishly as a twins fan, but, um, I think it just makes sense to move. I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense to you, but I don't, I don't know if they will. I've been kind of reading some stuff that says that um, Cincinnati doesn't seem like they're as pressed to, to move him, but maybe that's just, I don't know. Maybe that's just gamesmanship to try to get a, you know, leverage on the deal, but he's definitely having a great year. And I think this is a, a good price for him. You know, this is, this is uh what's it going to say? This is the, um, you know, maybe the top of the market for him, you know, you, you know, if he starts slipping next year, walking people too much again, stuff like that, he could go down. So I think, I think it'd be smart to do it. And there's a lot of teams that need a starting pitching help, but I don't have a great read on what Cincinnati is actually going to do. Uh, the problem with Cincinnati is they don't necessarily always do the smart thing. They don't usually do the smart thing. Jason, do you think they will do the smart thing uh, and free uh, Molly and, and Castillo from great America ballpark? Well, you know, you got to loop this in with uh, the Frankie Montas story as well. You know, none of these pitchers are a free agent after the season. They're a free agent after next season. But you're losing leverage. The time to make these deals with these types of pitchers is in between. Is this time of year heading into their final year because of leverage into the winter? Because then a team can make a decision: Do I want to give up assets to acquire what I need, or do I just want to spend money to acquire what I need and not have to trade stuff away? But right now. The only way these teams can fix these uh, holes in their rotation and whatnot is to make these moves. Uh, and so I would be, if I were a Reds fan like Doug Dennis or Clay Link, and they do not trade these guys, I'd be super pissed. That said, I don't see them getting like Anthony Volpe for uh, Luis Castillo, but maybe we're wrong. Who knows uh, with that? But these guys have to be moved. This is the time. This is the market. Uh, there are enough arms heading to the free agent uh, market this winter where they're going to lose leverage and then they end up giving these guys away for a lot less than what they could get right now. There's too much competition for, for these types of arms in the next couple of weeks. Well, you did mention Montas and Mark, I know that Montas was tied to the twins uh, a lot prior to the start of the season. You think that Montas gets dealt? You think the twins are in on Montas? Oh man. I never know what the twins are going to do. You know, um, <laughs> you know, find some guy that was good five six years ago and they get on in on him you know we didn't get him but we got a waiver we acquired someone august 3rd that you know got cut or whatever but um i mean same thing i mean i think it's smart i think i think just everything jason's saying i mean it's smart for the oakland to get rid of them oakland is sort of tanking their fan base they're kind of you know they're trying to right i mean they're fire sailing they're you know I don't know. They, they, it seems like they're trying to like move to Vegas or something. They're trying to have like nobody go to their game. So, I mean, it would make sense for them to get rid of him. Like, you know, somewhere Jason's saying, I mean, the you know free agent market, teams can can get help, and you know, right now the only thing these teams can do is through the trade um, through the trade market. So, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see him on the Twins, um, but and I think it'd be smart to move him. It's just that like these teams, I don't know, these organizations, they um, you know, we'll get to some rocky stuff maybe at the end. You know, it's just, sometimes they just you're like, oh yeah, they'll definitely trade him at the deadline. They got nothing to play for, and then they, they keep him or whatever. So I'm I'm hoping they trade him. It would be a smart thing to do. 
Um, you get a good price on them, but I don't know. You know, why didn't they do it in the off? You know, why didn't they do it in the off season too? You know, when they trade everybody mm-hmm. else. Sarah, what do you think? You think Montas gets moved? I think Montas gets moved. I, I actually is it is there a worse team to be a fan of right now than the Reds or the A's? You both you're both just basically being trolled by your owners. Mm-hmm. That your owners are like, we aren't going to put a winning baseball team on the field. You are going to give us money and show up or not show up, as the case may be in Oakland, because they're threatening to move. I mean, it's just a really. I have a few friends who are fanatical Reds and A's fans, and it has been a bummer of a 2022 for them. And so, look, move Montas, move Castillo, move Molly, get them out of there. Get get these talented pitchers somewhere where they can make a difference and continue your fire sale and then sell the team while you're at it because this is just I'm, – I'm as a fan, I'm kind of sick of it. And, I mean, here's the thing. From, like, a team's perspective, like, pitchers can explode at any moment, right? Like, I mean, a, a guy's arm can pop. Like, and we've already seen Montas recently go down with an injury. Do they want to risk holding on to him through another half season and potentially something happening and losing all value? Um, I, I think they, they should. I think both these teams should trade these guys. Will they do it? It remains to be seen. Um, I, I, I hope they do. Uh, let's, th- let's talk about some closers real quick. Does Jorge Lopez stay in? in Baltimore. Sarah, you just said that there's a potential Baltimore is a buyer, so they wouldn't be moving Jorge Lopez. I think if the Red Sox make a move that they're going to sell, the Orioles probably don't sell because that's a wild card spot that they can potentially chase down, in which case they hold on to Jorge Lopez and he stays a closer. Although I do want to note, like if, if the Orioles do decide to sell, which it, at the start of the season, that's definitely what they were planning to do. And this just has all worked out in such a way that that's a 500 ball club in the toughest division in baseball. And frankly, I think I could see them winning a playoff round or two. I've watched them a few times. And I think they'd be competitive in the NL central or the AL central, which are two, two divisions. I watch a lot. Um, I, I wonder if he does get moved. I don't think Jorge Lopez stays a closer. Like I look at the list of contending teams who would make a move for that depth piece. And I, I don't really see how Jorge Lopez winds up being the, a closer still in that situation. So if he gets moved, I think you're losing saves there. But I think that Jorge Lopez probably stays in Oriole if the Red Sox sell. All right. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope, you know, I, I hope for their fans and for their players that they that they hang on to these guys and go by. I mean, it's just demoralizing. You're a few games out of the wild card. Yeah, you may not really actually make it, but you – you know, if you're if you're playing on the team, if you're a manager of the team, if you're a fan of the team, you want to believe that your team has a chance to win. And you know, give, getting rid of your closer, getting rid of some key pieces, just it's demoralizing. I mean, I've experienced it as a Twins fan where you're hoping they make a big move at the deadline, they do nothing, and then they get swept by the Yankees. You, you know, and it, it's just like you want you want um, to be that. But I agree with Sarah. I mean, if he gets traded, I doubt he closes. Um, but I, I hope I hope for their fans that they 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 go. Um, Maybe, maybe Trey Mancini, you know, they have some prospects in their system that they could move up, you know, to get like some pieces to help them. But I hope that they're they're making upgrades to, you know, maybe nothing major because they got a lot of young prospects, but some small moves that bring in a veteran that kind of help the team get some morale going, make the fans believe that they're kind of in it, even if the ownership believes maybe 2023, 2024 is kind of their window. So, Jason? Yeah, I can see them playing on the fringes uh, with things. I mean, Mancini has a – there's a mutual option after this season, so it's not like he has to walk. 
you know, they can get uh, Jordan Lyles off the roster. That's going to save them a bunch of money. And everybody else is dirt cheap. So I could see them playing in the fringes. You know, they uh, believe they dropped two of three to the Yankees this weekend uh, with things. So they're, they're still hanging around there. Uh, and this is a market where, you know, you can buy on the it's a good buyer's market if you're not looking to get one of the big chips. Uh, and so for them, you know, with the three wild card spots, make a play. I believe as we're recording this, they're three and a half games out of that spot. There's no reason to blow it up uh, if they were, because especially when they've made the progress that they've made this year, I mean, it, yeah, it feels like a year early. It reminds me of uh, the 08 Rays when, you know, 08 was not supposed to happen. 09 moving forward and they got ahead of things in 08. Uh, and Baltimore appears to be there because, you know, we were all joking before the season, another 100 loss season. There's no way this team's not going to do this. And here they are, 47 and 48 uh, with things. So if they could do something to build, continue that momentum, maybe it's picking up a couple of final year contracts. Maybe it's picking up somebody who's not in the final year contract uh, and, and using them for next year to, to continue to bridge as they as they build that organization out. Uh, but, you know, I retweeted somebody's chart the other day uh, looking at the last two months. Of, of record and the Orioles are right there in the top six as far as one loss percentage and everything they're doing it they just got off to uh, a little bit of a slow start but they are they are not the pushover uh, these days that most of us thought they would be heading into the season uh that is very very true um I selfishly I'm hoping that they keep Lopez because I have uh, fabbed him in a number of leagues and, and been enjoying getting those saves. Uh, and I, I want and he's, too. he's got control. There's, I mean, yeah. he's going into ARB two this coming year. So you maybe double what he made this year. So he goes from one five to three. Still very affordable yeah. for what he does. And if it doesn't work out, but he, I mean, he made a significant jump from coming out of the rotation. He was garbage in the rotation. Uh, and he made it, it just, he looks fantastic out of the bullpen. Uh, you know, walks every now and then, but lots of ground balls keeps the, obviously the new park helps him keep it in the yard, but he's throwing with new velocity out of the pen. And he's just a different guy. Yeah. I, I just don't know that the Orioles are going to get back enough for a guy like him, who's probably figures to be kind of a, a middle reliever um, uh, for comparatively speaking to what they get out of him value wise uh, from a team context. Uh, let's uh, let's move over to Martin Perez, who, you know, had just an amazing first half. He's on a one-year deal, so the Rangers have every reason in the world to trade him. Mark, do you think that he gets traded, and do we care? I mean, I don't think he gets traded. So um, the Rangers kind of did this weird thing, right, where we thought they were going to rebuild, and all of a sudden they go with Seager and Sammy, and they're sort of like not re- – they're one of these, like, middle teams, right? That's, mm-hmm. you know, they got some good prospects. You kind of think, okay, they're going to do – you know, they're going to kind of build it up. But I think I think um, this GM, this ownership group, you know, they want to show an improvement over last year. They had 100 losses last year. I think um, obviously they're not going to make the playoffs, but I think they want to keep. I think they want to keep a guy that's that's pitching really well. Um, I know he's on a he's on a one year right, so he'll be a free agent, but he might be incentivized to come back too. I mean, he's having like a career year with them. I mean, if if you had a career year and you're in your early 30s, why wouldn't you consider that um, as well? So. I think they want to keep him. I think they want to get every win that they can, even though they're not really competing for a playoff spot because they made these other big moves. And I think, um, you know, I think to them, every win counts. I think if you can uh, lose 88 games of 102 games, you can say that you improved this year, you know, that that's, that's what you do. So I think they keep him. Um, and I think, I think they should consider, I mean, I think he should, I think mutually both sides, 
makes sense for them to think about coming back the next year because whatever he's been doing there has been kind of working. And then from a, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's getting, he's getting wins. His, his ERA is low. I mean, he's not, you know, I mean, um, yeah, I think, I think he's of some interest. So for sure. Jason, what do you think about Martin Perez? I think they got a trade coming off uh, been a, a tremendous beneficiary uh, of the of the baseball conditions this year the way it's being uh, treated and manufactured and whatnot you know the fact that he's able to just sit on the outside daring people to take the ball I mean, opposite field power is just not what it used to be uh, this year and the way he pitches he just sits out there and like go ahead and try to hit it it's just not going to go far uh, and if you do that or you're rolling over so his ground ball rate is the highest that has been in a number of years, and his home run rate's the lowest that has been uh, in a number of years. And all that depends upon him having that fine control to be able to put the baseball on the periphery of the strike zone. Any of those conditions change any direction, and he goes back to being the guy that was a five-plus year. Uh, and if I'm Texas, I move him. What about you, Sarah? I really think Texas should move him. I agree with everything that Jason just said, and I actually don't think Texas is going to move him. I just I find the Rangers to be kind of a conundrum. I don't know that they know what they're doing. I don't know that I don't know that they have had like there haven't been the same sort of rumors around Martin Perez that there have been with some of these other guys we've talked about. And I suppose it's possible that the Rangers organization is just a vault, and the reason we haven't heard anything is because they're so good at keeping secrets. But I don't think that's true. I think that they're not as active as some of these other teams in terms of shopping these players and and that leads me to believe that they they haven't decided what they want to do there but i agree with jason they should absolutely be looking for trade they should be looking for a trade partner for martin perez right now absolutely because i mean at worst case scenario they could just tell him listen we want to sign you next year but we need to get something for you right now plus give you a chance to go win a ring um it makes a lot of sense to try to move him will they do that i don't know like i i, I it does not feel like Whoever is in charge of the front office moves right now in Texas knows what they're doing. They went out and bought all these players like they're some sort of contender, and they're clearly just missing too many pieces to contend right now, especially in a division uh, in which Seattle's up and coming and Houston's still really, really damn good. Uh, it was just odd for them to you know throw so much money at Marcus Simeon um, and Corey Seager. Uh, I just, you know, I, I like the John Gray move, but – uh, outside of that, just the, the $300 million contract on, on Seager just seems silly. Um, that being said, I mean, Seager's been great. So, like, I, 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 you know, I can't bash him too hard, I guess, for that. Let's, uh, let's move it along because um, I want to talk next about uh, Brandon Drury. We talked about pitchers leaving Cincinnati being good, but hitters leaving Cincinnati usually bad. Um, Sarah, do you think Brandon Drury can keep his magic going if you leave Cincinnati? I think that if you are a person like myself who picked up Brandon Drury off the waiver wire and spent like very little fab on him and have been writing that for a few months of this season and are super happy about it, you should beware that Brandon Drury is not going to be quite as impactful of a bat if he gets traded away from Great American Ballpark unless he goes to one of like a handful of parks that is as hitter friendly. That said, he has not been bad on the road. He's slashing 241, 310, 
468 with a WRC plus of 115 in away games this season. That's not awful, right? He's still an above average bat on the road. His Wobis 335 away from Great American Ballpark this season. So it's not the guy that you've seen in Cincinnati who's got a WRC plus of 144, but he's still an impactful bat, bat and he's still somebody I certainly want on my team, especially if I'm dealing with injuries at second base. What do you think, Jason? Uh, I, 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 I'm upset at Drury. This is like the first year I have him nowhere. And every year I've had this guy on my team. And this is the year that I just was like, uh, it's it not going to work out. And he gets a late, late deal. And then look what he's done with it. Uh, you know, this is somebody they absolutely should deal. Cause you look at the flexibility the fact that position eligibility this year, third, second, first shortstop, right. He's got five positions. I mean, this is the type of guy any contending team would like to have on their roster because of that versatility and the power off the bench. I do believe overall it's going to hurt his fantasy value, not only leaving Cincinnati, uh, but he may not get the everyday playing time uh, depending on where uh, whoever acquires him. Uh, but this kind of flexibility and offensive potential uh, is something that absolutely would be uh, valued by any one of the contending teams. Everybody's looking for upgrades on the margins uh, and whatnot, and this would definitely increase somebody's bench depth, upgrade a platoon opportunity, uh, and give them some flexibility in the roster they may not have. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, same thing. I was going to say, I don't really see him as like an everyday player um, if he goes to like a contending team, that sort of a thing. Um, I was kind of looking at stat cast numbers. Um, you know, he's really aided by the by the ballpark that he's in. You know, if he would have hit it, played all his games in, in uh, Kaufman, he would have eight home runs on the season. So as far as his magic goes, I mean, I think um, his his power and that kind of elevated ISO that he has, that probably all you know regresses more to kind of his career norms if he goes to a more neutral ballpark. Um, but as everybody's saying from a fantasy perspective, um, he has some injuries. He's eligible in several positions. I mean, he's a, he's going to be a useful player down the road. Um, if he goes to a contending team, he'll be in a better lineup. He'll produce better stats when he's playing. Um, just have to kind of keep an eye on how they would utilize him, like if it's a platoon thing or um, or whatever. But, yeah, I kind of echo everybody else. Um, I think if he leaves Great American, he, he's not going to put up the power numbers that we saw. Still, still pretty helpful from a fantasy perspective, especially with the position eligibility. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I completely, I completely agree there. I just think, yeah, the big concern one, leaving Great America Ballpark, but two, like, what will his role be on another team? You know, maybe if he ended up in a place like Atlanta, it would make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, considering uh, you know them missing Ozzy Albies until Albies is back, that he could get some full time playing time and then move around. But if he doesn't end up in a place where he's got a full time role, that really hurts him. Uh, on top of the ballpark really hurt. And uh, I do want to say though, uh, and shout out to Yancey Eaton because Yancey dropped this, uh, this nugget in the chat yesterday um, that of all the thousands of NFBC leagues that were drafted, Brandon Drury was only drafted twice. Yeah. Which means everybody who's pretty much everybody except for two people who, uh, who were the two people who drafted uh, Brandon Drury picked him up off the waiver wire. He has been huge. So yes, if, if you're, uh, his fans value gets ruined rest of the way, you still profited a great deal by just getting him off the waiver wire. Well, how about this for a potential home for him? Uh, because in spite of all their flaws, they're still in contention, but the White Sox, uh, you know, their second base, uh, their second base situation is abysmal. Uh, and they could get some nice production there, or even having him on the roster uh, somewhere to move around. Uh, so 
you know, they're they're still what two games uh, back of of Minnesota, right, Mark? Uh, some close to that. Yeah, yeah, so they're close. still hanging around. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I was uh, saying it's it's getting closer. It's, yeah. yeah, they're they're making they're um, four games. Four games. Okay. Now, yeah, yeah they have so nothing in the farm. They have. I mean, as somebody who has to watch their AAA team, they have nothing coming up uh, that could help. So if they're going to try to improve that roster uh, and they need some. No pitching, uh, but offensively, Drury could be a nice fit there because that gives them again somebody to move around that roster. And since they don't have much in the farm, Drury wouldn't cost very much in order to get him. So that, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, I really like that call uh, quite a bit. Uh, what about David Peralta? If he gets moved, is he still fantasy viable? And it, does anybody benefit in Arizona there, Sarah? I don't think he's fantasy viable if he gets moved. David Peralta is kind of like one of these very league average bats. And the reason that he has value to your fantasy team is because he plays a lot right now. So he has guaranteed playing time, which means that you're getting at least league average counting stats when he's in there. I, I don't think that that's going to be the case if he gets traded to a contender. Um, in terms of playing time, that's an interesting question that I, I don't have a great answer to. Maybe Mark or Jason does in Arizona as to who could come up and take one of those spots. I'd love to see them go to a prospect um, or two and, and let us get a look at some of those young guys that they have been kind of holding back there. What do you think, Mark? Do you think is there a, is a Peralta viable in fantasy for the most part if he gets moved? And is there a guy that you think could come up and take that spot? Yeah, so – I don't know if he. I don't know if he gets moved. I mean, would a team like Tampa Bay be interested? I mean, they could use. I mean, who are they? You know, they're signing what Roman Quinn at right field. I mean, um, right? Is that you know? Um, so I, I, I've got a. You know, I've got an opportunity. Yeah. He's kind of a poor man's Michael Brantley, and the Astros may want to use him as a stopgap until Brantley's back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think, yeah. And then I think as far as, you know, the team goes, I mean, yeah, you never, I mean, you never know. I mean, I think they go, um, I think, I think Astros are going to shoot a little bit bigger. I feel like Peralta is like a consolation for somebody that sort of misses that, like Jason saying, playing on the fringes, doesn't want to give up too much, just kind of get a little bit something going in there. Well, small upgrades, you know, um, he does have Peralta is Peralta does have a two Oh five ISO this year. He's, he's hit 12 home runs in 82 games. I mean, he, is showing a little his average is down, but he's showing a little bit more power um than he has the last couple of years. And then as far as the team goes, I mean, this year I just feel like the the Diamondbacks are not going to be that ambitious. I think they're just gonna platoon the spot. They'll play um Leplo against lefties, they'll play whoever else they got against righties. I'd love to see Corbin Carroll come up maybe in September or something like that, but I don't think we see that next year instead of this year. But he's their He's their big phenom, the number one prospect in baseball. He's playing triple A's, had a great minor league season. But, you know, it'd be cool to get a glimpse of him um, the last month of the season or so. And that would definitely open up an opportunity for that. But I'm, I'm not exactly sure what, what they're thinking. What do you think, Jason? Uh, the only issue with Carroll is now on the 40-man roster. They'd have to make room right. for him. Uh, and so typically clubs will do the opposite, and, instead of, right. especially with a club like Arizona. If we're talking about six weeks, seven weeks, you know, you got Pavin Smith, who's still on the 40-man roster. Cooper Hummel is still on the 40-man roster. You can see that kind of thing um, working its way out with that. I mean, Peralta, I initially thought like, – Perhaps the the Yankees will go that route if the the Benintendi rumors because if, if they're looking for a left-handed bat, 
But the issue with Benintendi is like he gets on base. Peralta not great at that anymore. I mean, even if, even if you just look at his righty left, he splits his right gets righties. His OBP is three ten. Uh, so that's not great on OBP, but he does have the power from the left-hand side. It's always nice to have in that particular ballpark. Uh, but I do like your uh, example with the uh, uh, with the Astros uh, as well for looking to add uh, more experience off the bench uh, for for pinch hitting and platoon work because they do have they are pretty young um, off their bench overall. Uh, let's talk about uh, some Colorado guys. We got Chad Cool, uh, who's likely to be moved. He's on, I believe, a one-year deal. Uh, Daniel Bard is in the last year of his deal. Uh, any chance that these guys get moved, Jason? And uh, um, do we care? I don't know if I care about Cool. He's actually pitched better at home than he has on the road this year. Go figure. <laughs> he's like, I guess, like John Gray. Whatever it is, he's pitched better on the uh, at home this year. Uh, with that, with I mean, Bard, they absolutely should shop just because again, people are looking for relievers with skills. Uh, and I would say the same thing even for them with Robert Stevenson. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued with Stevenson because if they don't deal him, they do deal Bard. Steven could, Stevenson could step up into that role. Uh, Colomay's on the end of a – he's on his final year deal too. He's got the experience. Um, he's likely to be moved too. Um, but I don't see him moving into a, a closer role. So um, Bard would be the kind of guy that scares me that gets traded but doesn't close. Um, so right now if I, you know, if I could have – I think I have Stevenson in two leagues, uh, in both draft champion um, leagues. So I would love to get some saves out of that to close out the rest of the season. But I could also see all three of these guys being dealt and somebody we have not even mentioned coming into the role the rest of the way. What do you think, Mark? So, I mean, this is the organization that hung on to Trevor Story and uh, John Gray, <laughs> you know, in, into the offseason, just let him go, you know. Um you know they're kind of like they're kind of like the Rangers, right? They're kind of like doing the rebuild thing, and then they signed Chris Bryant to a big contract. You know, um, locally, so I live in Denver. Locally, they've talked about offering him an extension. You know, like a two-year deal. I mean, I think that would be from a ridiculous, right? I'm not saying the same thing with the Rangers thing earlier. I'm not saying this is what I think they should do. Just trying to predict what these teams are going to do. You know, I mean, it would make sense to flip all these guys, get some young assets. You're rebuilding, you know what I mean? Get, trade Charlie Blackman, trade, you know, trade every trade all these guys, you know. But they kind of do this thing where they kind of play it halfway, you know, where they think they got some guys coming up and they don't want to, you know, they don't they, you know, they don't do the full rebuild, but then they end up with a really bad record, anyways. You know, it's just you might as well just be bad and not pay the hundreds of millions of dollars for like Chris Bryant or whatever. But um I I, I don't know. I, gut feel, I feel like they keep him, they should trade him. Would he close somewhere else? Probably not. I mean, I guess it depends where he goes. But um, I, I would not be shocked if they kept him just because trading John Gray and Trevor Story made all the sense in the world, and they didn't do that either, um, with not much to play for either. So um, it's it's a it's kind of a it's kind of an enigma. They're kind of like the Rangers, or the Rangers are kind of like them. Um, they kind of do stuff halfway. I could see I could see them. I don't I don't think they should do it, but I could see them offering him some like two year deal and and it being a complete disaster. Sarah. I totally agree with everything that Jason and Mark just said. I think that, you know, it's it's weird that Cool has sort of struggled more away from Coors this year than he has struggled at Coors this year. I think that's a small sample size fluke. Um, he's been a better pitcher at home for most of his career, not in, in Colorado, but like in different parks. And I think that Colorado is just so weird for pitchers that this is probably just one of those situations where he had to get used to it. And so he's got some weird, funky, small sample size numbers going on. And when he gets out of Colorado, that will probably revert to a more normal mean. But beyond that, like the Rockies are just hard to predict because 
all of the pieces that they should be interested in moving like a Blackman or like a Cool or like a Bard. They're not, they're, you can't trust them to do that. They're, they should have restacked their farm last season and, the, and they didn't. And so I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in the Rockies making moves that are predictable and or savvy uh, in this market. And I sort of feel like they're going to look remarkably similar to what they look like right now at the, at the end of the trade deadline. I completely agree. Uh, we got a couple questions in the chat. Uh, one of them is, we're really not going to talk about the Dodgers getting Soto. No way they keep platooning Lamb and Thompson at DH. I don't think the Nationals trade Soto at least this or this uh, trade season. Um, and so that's why I haven't really been talking about him on any of these uh, these panels because I just think it, I just think it'd be crazy for the Nationals to move him, uh, especially with two years. Isn't there some kind of limit? Is there some kind of limit on how many trades two organizations can make with one another? I mean, should, should we get be. done with the Dodgers and Nationals be trading with one another? It seems like they have five a year. Yeah, I'd be I'd be very upset. I can tell you that. I, I mean, I, I bet. <laughs> I was gonna say the last couple of off seasons were supposed to be like the off seasons of trading Cubs, and here come the Nationals every year with like, and we're gonna one up you with a much bigger blockbuster uh, offer that will pull the rug out from underneath Jed Hoyer's feet. I. The Soto thing is intriguing to me because I sort of feel like they've painted themselves into a corner and almost have to deal him at the moment, given that he turned down their 15-year, $440 million offer, and they're trying to sell the team. So it's just this huge question mark hanging over your ability to sell the Nationals to anyone else. That said, I look at some of the returns that people put out on Twitter, just sort of guessing what they could look like, and all of them look light to me. And, and by light, I mean they're like – Nico Horner, the entire Cubs farm system, and like, and I'm, I'm like, no, that seems light. That seems light for 23 year old Ted Williams. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, as far as the Dodgers go, I, I hope they give that Miguel Vargas kid a, a shot. You know, he he, if he was in a different organization, I think he would be up. He would be up by now. He's he's a third baseman. I mean, Justin Turner's not really producing. He's getting injured. Um, he's played some games in left field. Um, probably an upgrade over Lamb and Trace Thompson. Um, he's somebody I've been I've been kind of hoping to see up. I mean, um, and then as far as Soto goes, like like Sarah's saying, I mean, they're they're trying to sell the team. You know, that's the piece that I was all down with all these trade rumors, and then I started being like, wait, you're trying to sell the team? Team's worth a little bit more with a generational player than without one, and he has another what year and a half of team control? Is that correct? Yeah, okay. two years after this, two and a half years. he's gonna have like a twenty-four million dollar arbitration hearing this winter. That's yeah, the thing. he's gonna be—it's gonna be like judge, right? I just feel like if I'm the—if I'm gonna be a new owner, you know, I'm gonna have the ego and the, or a new general manager, whatever it's you know, whoever's gonna be in charge of this, I'm gonna have that ego and be like, well, you know, let me get a chance to negotiate with him, you know, myself, right? That sort of thing. So I—I I feel like he stays, um, and and the Dodgers have a great farm system. They've got guys. I mean, they they. they that Miguel Vargas kid, I think, is going to be pretty good. I, I'd love to see him play. Um, so yeah, sorry, go go ahead, I, Jason. I well, here, no. here's the thing: like, I I don't think the Dodgers need to make that move right now. Like, you know, obviously, any team is that could get Soto is going to want to get Soto. Like, I, I don't care if you already have, you know, Julio Rodriguez and a and a and a packed outfield like you you might have in in Seattle. Like, they want Soto too. Uh, that being said, like. I don't think it's a necessity for the Dodgers to make a big move at the deadline. They've got a 10 and a half game lead on the Padres, a 15 and a half game lead on the Giants. Um, and I think that they probably think they can coast 
uh, to a division title and then playoffs to the playoffs. I think they're going to make moves. I don't think it's going to be necessarily a major move. And I just don't know how the Nationals rationalize trading like like Sarah said, a 23-year-old Ted Williams. Like it's just I, I don't know how you do it. Like I uh, he's he's not only the best player your organization has ever had. He's 23 years old. You have him for at least another two years to try to work out a deal. Um and he is the most marketable person in baseball. Like yeah, I think your your franchise loses $400 million worth of value by trading him. Um, like, And if you are trying to sell that team, like, I, I don't know how you do that, I, honestly. Uh, the other question uh, from the same guy, actually, uh, said, uh, don't the Braves seem like a prime candidate to get in starting pitcher at the deadline? Strider's in limit. Uh, Anderson Tabriel, right, maybe on an, a limit as well. Who fits? I don't think Wright is going to be on an innings limit. I do think that they could add a starter, though. Uh, Jason, you're nodding your head, so why don't you lead this one? Oh, yeah, they absolutely need to have something. Strider uh, would be more of they, – they can't run him into deep into October. That's the thing. Uh, you know, this team needs to be planning for the deeper run, and if they can do anything to add more to the bullpen, something on the front end of that rotation, they should go get one of, uh, one of Montas or Castillo. Um, with that, because they need another, uh, at least one other, or maybe not even, maybe even another veteran arm that's kind of hanging out there, but they need to add to some of that uh, with that. I would say one more thing, because I was having a little bit of internet trouble with the uh, with the Soto issue. Don't forget the Dodgers have got a ton of money coming off the payroll this winter. They're mm -hmm. going from like 260 to 160, and then after that, they're going to 73. But let's say they do bring in Soto. That gives them bets, that gives them Freeman, and that would give them Soto all these guys making 25 plus million a year to have that much payroll. I don't care Dodgers or whoever you have three guys soaking up that much payroll. And by the way, you would give up like four guys to get one of those guys that it hurts how much, you know, how many cheap players you can build around that type it would be a very top heavy team. And one guy goes down at like their neighbors to the South, you know, one of those guys goes down the whole season blows up. Yeah. God protect us from the Dodgers, Cardinals, or Yankees acquiring Juan Soto. I my heart can't handle it. Yeah. Amen. Oh, forget it. The Yankees acquire him. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Like that I'm might be the death knell. Anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, a that, billion dollars to two players, right? That that, 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 that Soto, should be right? vetoed. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bring back Bowie Kuhn. He'll vote. It. He'll uh, veto it for the uh, the betterment of baseball. Uh, unfortunately, we got to wrap it up, guys. Uh, this has been a fantastic uh, end to the panel, end to the day, end to the weekend. Really appreciate everybody who's been a part of uh, Potapalooza, whether it's because you have donated, it's because you have been on a panel, it's because you donated prizes, or you just watched and listened. Everything helps. Um, I do want to give away uh, one prize right now, then give everybody an opportunity to you know, do their thing, say, say their goodbye uh, and, and pump their work. Um, but uh, first let me give away, let's see, what are we giving away first? It is a three month subscription uh, to SP streamer. It's an elite membership over there. Uh, so let me do my handy dandy randomizer. Um, and the winner of that is Jesse Gardman. I will get you in touch with Michael Simeone. Uh, for that uh and uh he will get you hooked up with that uh but before uh, i raffle off all the other prizes uh, and kind of give the final tally of where we're at in terms of money raised for potapalooza uh give everybody an opportunity there 
to uh, say uh, where uh, where they can reach on social media, plug all their work. Sarah, go ahead and uh, start us off. I'm at BCB Sarah on Twitter, Instagram. I apparently TikTok. I haven't put any content up on TikTok yet. I'm thinking about it. Um, and you can find my work at bleedcubbyblue.com. It's the SB Nation Cub site. You can also listen to my podcast at Cut the Cubby Blue, even if you're not a Cubs fan, uh, we will have lots of trade deadline rumors in the coming weeks. So if this is a topic that you're thinking a lot about, trust us. That's all we talk about these days in Wrigleyville too. And you will not want to miss that upcoming content. Absolutely. Uh, Mark, tell everybody where you can reach and plug all your work. Yeah, I'm at uh, Mark underscore Kiefer, K-I-E-F-F-E-R on Twitter. Um, most of my work, written work for fantasy baseball is at rotoballer.com. <clears throat> I write a weekly prospects stash article. Um bunch of dfs stuff as well if you're into that kind of stuff as well so and, and also the nfbc lobby you know i i play a good amount good amount of uh draft champions online championships and uh, uh main event every every couple of years or so so yeah all right and jason might have really where you reach talk about what you're doing can't do it right this time nope still can't <laughs> yeah jason collette <laughs> and uh rotowire collect calls uh weekly column uh, goes up usually middle of the week uh, on there. And then uh, next Sunday, you and I should be back on our regular schedule so we can uh, record uh, and talk about pickoffs, two-start pitchers, and everything else that we usually talk about on Sundays. Uh, and my uh, annual plug, if you haven't done uh, First Pitch Arizona registrations, get it done. Uh, you got a week uh, before the price goes up. Not our price control, but you know we've said every year it's the best money you can ever spend. Uh, and hope to see more uh, new faces uh, out there this year. Uh, somebody that gave me my start in fantasy industry is going to be out there. I have not seen him in 13 years, so I'm really looking forward to seeing him this year because uh, he reached out to me the other day. So it's going to be awesome to see him, and I hope to see others. Uh, I, yeah, I can't wait to go to first pitch. I just it's uh, uh, so much fun every year. The, the one year we had to miss because of COVID it was uh, was a bummer. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. Uh, getting back out there again. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, kicking ass on this last panel. Uh, I will let you all go as I kind of say goodbye to everybody and run through the final prizes. Uh, so I'll unceremoniously boot you all out as I've done to every single <laughs> other person. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, really appreciate everyone. And joining me now is a special guest. Um, it is it is my wife, uh, who has been a big part of all of this behind the scenes. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm not just saying this because she's here right now and looking at me <laughs> and stabbing me in the stomach with her fingernails. But uh, without Danielle uh, allowing me to do all of this work um, and uh, and spend 16 hours of our weekend um, in the office uh, away from the kids and the house and all the responsibilities, especially while our driveway was getting uh, affixed from a burst pipe, um, this wouldn't been possible. So thank you very much. Would you like to say anything while I finish the tally up? I just wanted to come in here and say great job. You know, I'm very, very happy to do this for such a great cause. Um, I'm glad that you agreed. You should listen to me more often when I tell you to do things. So, and also to thank everybody who, uh, joined you this weekend. Uh, there was some really great panels, a lot of great information. So fun weekend, everybody. Thank you. Great job. All right. So final total is up. Uh, and we did hit $3,000 thanks to a pretty big donation, uh, at the end, uh, by someone in the industry, I don't, I don't want to necessarily just throw a name out there unless he gives me permission to do so, but you know who you are. Thank you. Got us over 
that $3,000 mark, which means we're going to give out three TGFBI entries. Uh, first, I want to give out some of the other donated prizes because uh, there are some pretty amazing ones. Um, and why don't, and uh, if I'm for some reason not seeing, oh, uh, when we do it like this. All right. Um, <laughs> so uh, why don't we uh, next give out uh, the Snoop Dogg bobblehead, uh, which is a really, really cool prize. Probably one of the most unique prizes we've had so far. It's a, a seven-inch Snoop Dogg Corona bobblehead. Uh, randomize that. Timothy Pamperin, you are the winner of that. I will make sure that uh, that get, uh, you get hooked up with Sean, um, who donated that. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you, Timothy, for donating and uh, winning this prize. Uh, the next thing we're going to give out is a Fantasy Alarm t-shirt courtesy of Ryan Hallam. Uh, so we will give that out. And again, Timothy winning that prize as well. Uh, going on a little bit of a streak right here. Um, all right. Next one is a big one. Patrick Davitt uh, donated a guest appearance on the Baseball HQ podcast, uh, which I think is one of the coolest prizes available. So... Let me do my little randomizer, and we will have a winner for that. We have Woody Galvin, oh, nice. who uh, also um, or, uh, who is uh, a, a fan favorite of us and a lot of people in the industry. Got to meet him at First Pitch Arizona. I think that's going to be a great interview. Uh, Woody, uh, enjoy that. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for donating. Uh, let's do give a copy of, uh, Drew Wheeler's and, uh, Peyton Skinner's prospect rankings. Uh, that's a really cool prize, especially for those of you who are playing in dynasty leagues, Phil Moyer, congratulations. Uh, you have won that. Uh, and then we're going to give away one of Via's three-year fantasy uh, planners. Um, I'm going to go out and buy one, uh, myself, but we'll give away a free copy, uh, to, uh, there you go, Woody again. Congratulations, Woody. That's a nice uh, gift as well. Now, one of the uh, big uh, ones is the Aaron Ashby signed card um, that was donated uh, by uh, Russell Withers. Russell could not be with us this weekend, but he wanted to donate a really cool prize at Armchair Roto. Definitely go give him a follow. One of the coolest prizes available. Uh, and, and here we go. And Sam Wershing, uh, you you win that one. I will hook you up with Russell to make sure you get that prize. Now we have three more prizes uh, to give away. Uh, one is uh, another one of these really, really cool prizes was, was uh, made available to me later in the day today. Michael Govier, exclusive access to his Discord uh, and, uh, and Patreon and a guest spot on his podcast. And that's got to be one of the most entertaining podcasts ever to be on. As you saw earlier, Michael Govier really brings the energy, and that will be a fun guest spot for somebody. So why don't we uh, give that one away next? Randomize Rich. Brady Callahan, congratulations. I will get you in touch with Michael Govier. Uh, and uh, the second to last one um, is going to be the $69 nice. gift card to Rotoware. 
uh, Rotoware, not a sponsor of mine, but might as well be. I only wear Rotoware shirts. Uh, and my wife can attest to that and exactly. bemoan that fact. Um, I'm wearing one right now. Uh, you are not wearing one, so I'm not going to show off your uh, shirts. There you go. Um, but uh, I love Rotoware. They do the Justin Mason collection. Uh, and uh, they're just a fantastic uh, company. Uh, and I love everything that Kenny does. So $69 gift card right now to Rotoware. And the winner is Todd Whitestone. Congratulations, Todd. I will get you in touch with Kenny to make sure you get that $69 worth of stuff. And now is the big one, right? Three entries to TGFBI's. We raised over $3,000. Really appreciate everyone. Honestly, um, I didn't want to do it this year. I was I was feeling overwhelmed uh, with everything I had going on. Uh, I felt like it was too late. I didn't know that we'd be able to raise enough money and get enough people interested in participating or watching. Uh, and I was proven wrong. And I, I really, from, from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone uh, who donated money, um, who donated time by coming on or watching or donated prizes. It, it really, really means a lot to me. I, I love this community. I'm so proud to be a, a member of it and uh, give back and contribute to it. So three TGFBI entries right now. Uh, first, well, it says Paul Sport. He's already in TGFBI, so I'm going to re-randomize that. He doesn't get it. Uh, Brady Callahan, Phil Moyer, Justin Nolte, you are in TGFBI next season. I will get in contact with you and make sure I get your information. Congratulations, guys. You are all in TGFBI. That is going to wrap us up for this year's Potapalooza, Potapalooza 2022. From the bottom of my heart, from my wife and I, thank you for listening. Have a, a fantastic rest of your baseball season. Just pay me now. City win first place, then take a bow. Finish on top, I'ma set the standard. Don't believe me, you could check the standing. When I draft, I make smart selections. Got more sleepers than a narcoleptic. Meet your match, kid, my lineup's nasty. It's far-fetched thinking you might catch me. No surprise, I'm taking home the prize. Only time I rest is a playoff vibe. Make amazing finds off the waiver wire. All day and night, better stay retired. See me in first, all proud and cozy. Bro, please, I can't even count my trophies bragging even when my bats are slumping i'ma pack a punch that track a junkie oh, one little wanna play first place in my league got a blockbuster on the way and a pick up on my sleeve they call my team insane